Don't touch that dial. It's the American Grooves Radio Hour with your host, Joe Laura. Sunday to one and all. Joe Lauro here and welcome to the American Grooves Radio Hour. And this Sunday at four o'clock and 10 o'clock for all you late birds, we'll be playing some of the most influential early jazz fiddlers of all time. We're going to focus on four particular fiddlers, but then all kinds of other interesting stuff by other less known fiddlers not only in jazz and some also relevant styles of the day. We're going to listen to Joe Venuti. We're going to listen to Stuff Smith. We're going to listen to Eddie South and the great Stefan Grappelli. Now, we're going to start with Joe Venuti, in my opinion, really the first great jazz fiddler to record. He and Eddie Lang, the dynamic duo from Philadelphia, Eddie Lang, virtuoso guitar player, one of the most influential early guitarists of all time, and his run-in partner and musical comrade, Joe Venuti. And you heard Joe and Eddie on their 1927 recording of 
Doing Things with Frank Signorelli on piano. And Joe Venuti, what can I say? Really the first man to elevate the fiddle into the realm of jazz in the mid-1920s. And he played with everyone, both Venuti and Lang. They are not only recording on their own from 1926 on to 1933 when Lang tragically died of a tonsillectomy. Back then, that was very much a real hazard. And he passed away. He wasn't even 30 years old. But in the five, six years before that, they made some very memorable recordings. Here is another one by them. But this time, you'll hear how the jazz fiddle and guitar accompanying was used within the context of a huge, big jazz band. This is Venuti and Lang during their time with the Paul Whiteman Orchestra, approximately 1928 to 1930. Here's the late 1929 Happy Feet.
absolute father of jazz violin, one of its earliest players with Eddie Lang, as I mentioned, his friend from childhood. When Lang died in 33, Venuti continued his career, really until the day he died in 1978. He worked with everyone from Earl Hines to Benny Goodman, Adrian Rolini, Bing Crosby, you name it. Not only uh, leading his own band, but also as a very sought-after session man. I got to see him in 1976 as a sophomore in college. He was playing at Joe's Pub in New York. I think the cover charge was, at the time, a ridiculous $3.50 I somehow managed to get in. And I remember he asked if anyone had any requests. And some lady raised her hand. She goes, will you play Feelings? And he just kind of looked at her like she had two heads and went right into Sweet Georgia Brown. No way he was playing Feelings. Anyway, Joe Venuti, known not only for his jazz fiddling, but also for his very, very, very crazy sense of humor, his practical joking, legendary stories. Look him up. Anyway, um, I love the way jazz fiddle was used on pop records back in those late 1920s, early 1930s years. And Venuti and Lang played on many, many pop records for, you know, people like Kate Smith, people like Ruth Edding. And here they are with Red McKenzie. McKenzie was known as a a blue blower. He was a guy that sang, but also played the trumpet on a kazoo wasn't really a trumpet. It was a piece of wax paper on a comb, and he imitated a trumpet. It was known as blue blowing. And, you know, uh, Mackenzie also recorded some very Crosby-esque vocal sides in the early 30s. But here he is uh, with Venuti and Lang backing him up with a group that he calls his music box. Red Mackenzie with Venuti and Lang, 1928, from Monday on. How, how, 
Nothing different I know I'm right I'm gonna start shouting Hey, hey When she says love, honor, and obey Cause I'll be happy From Monday on
That certainly was Keane, 1928's That's What I Call Keane, played by the great Eddie Otha South, born in 1904, died in 1962. South studied classical violin in Budapest and Paris and then in Chicago, but he turned to jazz because back then in the 1920s, Unfortunately, jazz was really the only place a black musician could earn a living. There was really no room for him in the classical world. And in the 20s, he was very popular, primarily in Chicago, where he played with Elgar's band, the great Erskine Tate and Jimmy Wade's bands that played all along the south side of Chicago. And then he started touring Europe in 1928 with his band, which you just heard, Eddie South Alabamians. And he recorded for Victor in 1928 uh, when that side was recorded. He toured Europe and stayed in Europe quite a while. He worked with Django Reinhardt on some recordings and, you know, then really started working on 52nd Street after the war, which was the jazz haven at the time in New York City, the great Eddie South. And here he is, two more tracks. Here's another one from that same 1928 session, a kind of a non-jazz tune that he really has a wonderful arrangement. The tune is called The Waters on the Waters of Minnetonka. Uh, and then after that, you're going to hear a slightly later band from 1933 that happens to have a very young Milt Hinton on bass and vocals. Hinton played with Cab Calloway at the very beginning of his career and had a very illustrious jazz career into the 1990s, was also a well-known photographer of the jazz scene. So anyway, here's Eddie South, another, another cut from his 1928 session, Waters of Minnetonka, and then from 1933, I Gotta Go.
Gotta go, gotta go, gotta meet my so-and-so. You're a calling, sweet I know I gotta go. Oh, can't you guess, can't you guess? When I asked her, she said yes. Now I'm bound for happiness, I gotta go. Oh, got my hat, got my coat, got my extra tie. Just stopped in to say hello. Before I say goodbye, de hi de ho Gotta go to the sweetest gal I know. Love is calling me, and so I gotta go. Got my hat, got my coat, got my extra tie. Just stopped in to say hello before I say goodbye. course we all know that the fiddle had a lead voice in early hillbilly country music and so many others it was used in blues certainly in jug bands and all that and um, it's interesting that some of the tunes that were played crossed over to different genres this is an interesting recording a, a group known as the Georgia Yellowhammers, recorded here in 1928, something called G-Rag. And G-Rag was played many, many different styles, many different groups recorded it. We're going to hear two versions of it. This, again, is G-Rag. It's more of a country tune, but surprisingly, it's one of the first interracial recordings as well. Unbilled on the record are the Baxters, Andrew and Jim Baxter from Georgia. They were at this recording session by the Georgia Yellowhammers where they made some classic sides of their own, but they teamed up with the White Hillbilly Band and recorded this G-Rag version. It is wonderful. And as I said, Andrew and Jim were there that day in Charlotte, North Carolina, to record these 1927 Victor sides as well as sides of their own. And here is this wonderful combination of the Georgia Yellowhammers and the Baxters doing their version of G-Rag. And we're going to follow it with another variant of the tune played by a very, very different group from a very, very different part of the country. But let's start with this and hear the other, and then I'll tell you all about it after you hear it. (laughs) ¶¶ 
folks, this is George Yellowhammer from the PDQ station, just now getting right. All right, boys, let's go from here. Step on the gas. 
Emilio Caceres and his orchestra, probably with his brother Ernie playing clarinet. Ernie went on to be a part of the Glenn Miller Orchestra and is very much recognized as a jazz musician of great skill back in the 1930s and 40s. But Emilio, the fiddler, does not turn up anywhere. That recording uh, made in Dallas, Texas in 1934 is not even listed in jazz records. Uh, the, the great discography of all recordings made prior to 1943 of jazz music. And it really belongs there. And there you have another version of G-Rag. They call it jig in G, but it's based upon the same tune. Now here is another variant, not quite jazz, but the title leads you to believe that it is. Now this is, now we're heading a little bit further north up to the Mississippi Delta from Dallas. And here are the Mississippi Sheiks recorded in 1930, the Jazz Fiddler. Thank you. 
old violin Quick thing and shake it for Little heel and kick her toe is too bad, it's too bad Got care, old Joe's hitting the jug. He's not working today. He's not working today. Though he has got time, he sings all the time. He's not working today. Old Joe, now old Joe, yes old Joe. Old Joe's hitting the jug. Are you listening, old Joe? Old Joe, old Joe, old Joe's hitting the jug. Stuff Smith and his Onks Club boys. Before that, we'll tell you about Stuff in a minute, but before that, we had the Mississippi Sheiks, who were country blues artists, Delta artists, uh, who recorded quite prolifically for Paramount Records, OK Records, and Bluebird, their 1930 recording of The Jazz Fiddler, really a blues country tune. But I think it fits appropriately with our Jazz Fiddler episode of the American Grooves Radio Hour. Now, Stuff Smith, born Hezekiah Leroy Gordon Smith in 1909 in Ohio, better known as Stuff. And he started playing jazz with territory bands, recorded for the Alphonse Trent Band on Jeanette Records. Then he moved to New York City uh, and his Onks Club band, 
because they were playing on 52nd Street at the Onks Club, where so many musicians like Coleman Hawkins and Dizzy Gillespie were working. And, you know, Smith recorded there on Vocalion Records in 1936, Old Joe's Hitting the Jug. And he went on to play with Nat King Cole and also was, was quite crucial to the bebop movement, even though his own style represented a transition between swing and bebop, he's credited as being really the first violinist to use electric amplification and to play really in the bebop style. Stuff Smith, old Joe's hitting the jug. And if you've just tuned in or just tuned in recently, this is Joe Lauro and you are listening to the American Grooves Radio Hour. We are here every Sunday at four o'clock and then we repeat at 10 where we play nothing but old 78 RPM records of the pre-World War II era, all coming from my collection and the collection of my friends. You're listening to us on WLIW-FM Southampton over the air at 88.3 and serving Eastern Long Island and Southern Connecticut. And if you happen to be a little bit west of Riverhead, you could tune in at 96.9 all the way up to Amityville, Western Suffolk. And we're also streaming at WLIW.org radio and on all of your favorite streaming platforms. This is Listener supported WLIW FM radio, Long Island's only NPR station. And I am delighted to be here every Sunday with you. And let's hear some more jazz fiddling and a little bit more Stuff Smith. Here he is about a year later, 1937, with his Onx Boys playing Onx Spree, a 52nd Street classic. any need for food. Now all we need is one more man to give a demonstration of a thing called jam. What's wrong with the fiddle? I did a little. The car jumped over the moon. Hey, hey, put your horns where they belong. Come on, folks, join in this song. Pat your hands and shout with glee, cause this is the Onyx Spree.
Across the ocean to Paris, France in the late 1930s. Gypsy guitarist Django Reinhardt and his fiddle playing partner Stefan Grappelli recording their version of Tiger Rag. And Grappelli and Reinhardt would not exist as a jazz duo if it were not for the influence, the profound influence of Joe Venuti and Eddie Lang. On them. They took it perhaps a step further, a little bit later recordings. They recorded into the 40s together, into the maybe into the 50s together. I'm not an expert, but their group was known as the Quintet of the Hot Club of France. They recorded primarily in Paris, and even during the war years, during the Nazi occupation, they were working, they were recording, and Grappelli and Reinhardt are perhaps the most known guitar, fiddle, jazz duet of all time. I had the opportunity of seeing Stefan Grappelli four or five times in the 1970s and 80s, one time with the great mandolinist David Grisman and other times alone, and one time with Benny Goodman. It's a funny story. They were playing at Carnegie Hall together, and Grappelli was on the bill as an opening act for Benny Goodman. And being an enthusiastic 20-year-old, I called... I just looked up in the phone book and I found Benny Goodman. I called his office for the innocent question of will the two jazz 
Giants be playing together? And a gruff voice answers the phone. And I say, hello there. My name is Joe Laura. I'm going to the concert tonight. I'm wondering if uh, Benny will be playing at all with Stefan Grappelli. And the voice is a little bit of a silence. And the voice says, well, you'll have to go and hear for yourself. And I thought about it. And of course I went. And Grappelli finishes playing his brilliant set. And at, during the last song, it's actually an encore. Benny comes walking out and joins Grappelli for a couple of songs. And I can tell you, I am pretty certain that I had something to do with that. I don't think, I think Benny was the guy that I spoke to, first of all, because he was in his office at the time, all the time. He probably picked up the phone. And I, I think, I, I like to say that I put that in his mind to actually join up with Stefan Grappelli because it was done in such a haphazard way where, you know, Benny just kind of walked out at the end of his set and they played. I like to think I had something to do with that. We'll never know. But anyway, uh, we're going to end the show with another great recording by Grappelli and Reinhardt. Here they are doing their hot version of Avalon. Well, folks, hope you tune in next week. I'll be back here on Sunday. Good night. to you weekly on WLIW-FM Southampton, 88.3 on your radio dial, and at WLIW.org, and all streaming formats.